reconciliation, I acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. I pay my respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island peoples today. Welcome to Totally Lit, the podcast celebrating reading, writing and creating literature. I'm your host, Kai Garvey. Thank you for listening. I'm excited that I have the amazing Mary Anastasio as my guest this episode, a self-confessed chocoholic, pluviophile and lover of all things kid lit, Mary writes books that she hopes will engage, inspire and empower little people on their journey to becoming big people. With 30 years of marketing and design experience, Mary now heads the creative team at indie publisher Larrikin House. Responsible for the creation of more than 60 Larrikin titles, Mary works exclusively with authors and illustrators to create books that she hopes will one day become classics. Author of the much-loved I Want To Be series, her latest title, I Want To Be A Sports Star, was shortlisted for the Speech Pathology Book of the Year Awards in 2022. And with three new titles set for release in 2023, Jimmy Bottoms, Julius Squeezer and The Art of Making Friends, Mary is set to continue making her own kidlit dreams come true. A frequent guest assessor for both Kidlit Vic and Sia, Mary loves nothing more than to help others achieve their publishing dreams. I hope you enjoy my chat with Mary. Mary Anastasio, welcome to Totally Lit. I'm so excited to have you. I know, it's been um, a long time in the making and it's so nice to finally meet you. Yes, I know. It's... um, (laughs) I'm actually a big fan, so I'm very excited. Oh, really? Oh, yes. that's really sweet. <laughs> and and I have to tell you, um, just to start off, um, your book, I Want to Be a Movie Star, my yes. little niece absolutely adores it, um, and she actually insisted on taking it home with her. So oh. I, I have books here. She's four, and we read all the books together, and, and yeah, your book, she was like, can I take this home? And I'm like, oh, yes, that can so go sweet. live at your house. So it was a big hit. <laughs> <laughs> that's the sweetest thing. It's so nice to kind of hear when, I mean, that's that's nearly three years old now, That's that particular book, but it's so nice to see or hear that it's still resonating with little kids. It's yes. a cute little story. So, yeah. So how many books have you got out now? Mary, you're, you're kicking goals. Well, I don't know about kicking goals, but yeah, the number four came out uh, in January, so early earlier last month, um, and that was Jimmy Bottoms. And there's two more coming out this year, I think. Yeah, there's two more coming out this year. There's yeah, there's uh, one one called Julius Squeezer, which is a story of a, a python who doesn't quite understand that squeezing people is not or squeezing his friends isn't the right way to say. Hello. Oh, that sounds cute. Uh, it is really cute. And then there's a second one called The Art of Making Friends, which is kind of a play on the word, um, the art of. So mm. it's kind of, you know, if you were going to make a friend, how would you make them? Would you make them out of noodles that you find on your plate? Would you make them out of bubbles that you find in your bath? Would you make them out of – so it's kind of a combination of that, the idea of creativity and creating, you know, a friend out of nothing or, you know – exposing your heart and becoming vulnerable so that you can actually get to know people and yeah so it's a journey through that idea which is kind of cute too so yeah there's a few 
in the works. Oh, that's amazing because that it's it's one thing to just have one book out, but then to be having an actual career where more you've got more things coming out because that's the the challenge to yeah. continue. Yeah. And that's where I I'm sort of at. I'm like, oh, I've got one. Will there <laughs> be <what>? any more? <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of the thing. It's um, I was saying to someone the other day that. The three I want to be books kind of were picked up by Larrikin House, which was amazing. But I'd done the self-publishing journey on my own first. So Rockstar was um, self-published initially through my own self-publishing company. Um, and I found Anil and did all of that on my own and then kind of hit a wall and didn't know what to do um, yeah. kind of beyond that. Um, so I was really lucky when Larrikin came along and James Layton came along and said, hey, you know, I'd really like to publish, you know, Rockstar. And then potentially, because I'd already had Movie Star written as well, so he picked that up at the same time and then um, wanted to option a third, which was, you know, really exciting. And I'd written quite a few other things and they didn't really land for him. So, um, you know, whilst I, I'm freelance freelancing for them, there's no sort of um, favouritism when it comes to submissions and things like that. So I can submit to him and if he doesn't like it, he just goes, yeah, no, thanks. So... There was a long period of time where there was no activity and none of my picture books were kind of hitting the mark any, anywhere. And so I got what everybody gets, which is imposter syndrome. Yes. Right? So I kind of just sat there and went, okay, so maybe people don't actually want to hear what you want to or, you know, don't want to read what you're writing or your writing's not good enough or, you know, all of those sorts of things. The imposter syndrome and the, that sort of stuff can get quite big in your head. <laughs> How did you push through that? What what kept you going rather than going? Oh well, let's stop doing this. Like, because it's know, hard. It's not it's, an easy thing. thing. Yeah, that's a really really hard question because I still do that. Like there, I have moments where I think, you know what, I'm I'm kind of content creating books for other people, and maybe I don't necessarily need to write anything else. But I was lucky in that my agent had had a certain amount of manuscripts out there and she was looking for homes for them and uh, COVID meant that, you know, publishers had sort of taken a bit of a break and they weren't taking on any new any new titles and stuff. Um, but then sort of towards the end of last year, Five Mile came in and said, oh, we really like Jimmy Bottoms and we'd like to sign it. Yep. And that was really exciting. Um, and then two weeks later they came back and said, well, we want these two as well. So that was a bit wow. of a, yeah, that was a bit of a, oh, wow, okay, so people do like my work and someone other than Larrikin actually likes my work, which is which is really lovely. And that kind of lit a bit of a fire in me, really. So um, I hadn't written anything in like two and a half years during that period where I felt like okay. I was, you know, um, imposter syndrome. And then all of a sudden, you know, within a couple of weeks I had six new manuscripts because I'd gotten, you know, the fire had been lit and... and um, you know, the creativity started to flow again. So, yeah, now there's seven other ones out there in the world looking for homes. Incredible. <laughs> so exciting. Yeah. Now, yeah. you are published through Larrikin House, but you also have a greater relationship with them as well. Do you want to tell me a bit about the work that you do with them? Yeah, so I'm their creative director at the moment, which essentially means that when um, they sign a manuscript, the manuscript literally lands on my desk and I take over from there. So I'm the person that's responsible for um, sourcing the illustrator and finding the right person to um, translate or to, you know, recreate the narrative. 
um, to find somebody who's actually going to fit and do justice to the manuscript. Mm. And I then do the design and production on all of their picture books. Uh, I've started now looking at their uh, junior fic yep. catalog as well. So, yeah, it, it's um, from the moment, moment a picture book is signed and, and it's been edited, it kind of lands on my desk and I, <laughs> I do the rest of it, really, which is fun. That's the and fun part. What sort of background have you had? How did you wind up in that role? Was there a particular okay. field yes. that you studied? I've got um, – I run my own marketing and advertising agency. I've been in the marketing game for the last uh, – I'm going to show you my age now – 35 years, so I've no, been around. No, I do not believe that. <laughs> yeah. You're looking incredible. No, I'm 55 this year, actually. So, yeah, 35 years I've been in the marketing and advertising game. So, yeah, I run my own agency and I've been doing design work and copywriting and all that sort of stuff for quite a long time. So it was just one of those, I've said this many times before, it was just one of those very serendipitous things where James came along at a time when he – was starting Larrikin House and he showed me the initial sketches for his logo and I just went, yeah, no, 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 you need help oh, with that. So I rebranded, oh. I rebranded Larrikin House and, um, you know, created a visual direction for him in terms of, so, you know, the Larrikin House logo, the Larrikin House website, the initial Larrikin House social media pages, all of that sort of stuff was part of my initial interaction and my initial engagement with Larrikin House. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just kind of evolved into this, you know, creative director role where I look after all of their books and, yeah, their authors and their titles, which is exciting. What a wonderful job. That sounds so exciting. It's actually a dream job. If I could do it full time, if I if I could just do this in the publishing world full time, it would be a dream job. Absolutely. I am absolutely terrible at aesthetics, um, so I would be terrible at that job. Um, and I always get a bit stressed with my social media because I'm like, oh, it just doesn't look schmick. Like you, like some people oh. have just got the knack. I, you know, I can use words, but I can't use pictures. Yeah, don't even, don't even go there because if you really, if you really went through and had a really good look at my social media, it's just a jumble at the moment. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't put too much emphasis on that. I do really well for other people. Um, yeah. So I think it's one of those is that saying, you know, a plumber's pipes are always leaky. Yes. So it's a bit like that. My my aesthetic on my Instagram page isn't as finessed as I would like it to be or as it, as it used to be. It's kind of a bit of a mishmash of there's no real strategy at the moment, Kai, to be honest. <laughs> but you're doing an amazing job for all of your writers at Larrigan House though like I'm always really impressed with what I see coming out on the socials and um, the books always look amazing. Yeah I haven't done a lot of the socials for Larrigan House for quite a while now I think it was about a year ago that um, Danny sort of took those over which was fine Um, but I still do a lot of their kind of external um, advertising components so like at, at the end of so when I finish my production for example the author gets like a marketing kit Yep. And within that marketing kit, they have, you know, social media tiles and things like that that I produce for them that they can use then to market their own books and do their own promotions. So that part I'm still doing, but I'm not really looking so after the, the authors at Larrikin House are really supported in that marketing because that's really hard. Like, it I'm is. Like, oh, yeah. that's not my thing. How do I figure this all out? Okay, so, um, so from a publishing perspective, we – we sort of 
I think we do a little bit more than, than other publishers do in that um, I will supply them with the marketing kit that has a couple of random things in it. It'll have like a PDF of the, the title. It'll have a cover and a couple of internal pages. Um, there'll be some social media tiles like a, an, an like you know a launch a cover reveal, a launch month tile, and a couple of other internal pages and potentially a Facebook page and a few other bits and pieces. But we don't necessarily sort of go into detail with an author. We have a, an expectation that the marketing and the promotion is a bit of a collaborative thing. So we yeah. kind of rely quite heavily on the authors to be really quite active um, on their own in terms of getting out there and, you know, generating some hype around their own books. I'm a little bit different because that's kind of what I do. It's part yeah. of like because I run a business, my marketing and advertising agency, I kind of know what I need to do. Mm-hmm. But that's not always the case with authors. I'm I'm around for all of my authors. So if anyone has any questions or I need some kind of guidance in terms of you know what to do, where where they should go, who they should approach, what they should, you know, potentially be doing in terms of activity, I'm always there to kind of, you know, as a sounding board to do some brainstorming. So yeah. And with your own business, do you specialise in writers and authors or do you have other areas that you work no. in? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, completely. Most of my um, my clients in my real job are hospitality industry and food industry and hotels and cafes and lots of different people. The medical industry, I'm doing some stuff for Diabetes Australia to, at the moment. So, yeah, quite a few different, different industries I don't specialise necessarily in. Authors, that's my kid lit life. So, so you have an eclectic work life by the yes. sounds of that. Yes, yeah. Well, every day is different. I never know who's going to call me. I never know who's going to ask me to do something for them. So, yeah, it doesn't get boring. Now, with your very first book that you self-published, yes. what what made you self-publish? What what was the motivation to write? and get that published yourself? The stories for Rockstar and Movie Star had been in my head for a really long time and it wasn't until my son was about six and I think he kind of got sick of hearing me saying all I want to do is just write children's books. I just want to be sitting by a pool in the Bahamas writing children's books with a cocktail. That's all I want. Living the dream. Living the dream, living the dream. And, um, yeah, so I, I had this idea in my head that I, I just, that's all I wanted to do. I'd, I'd been writing, you know, commercial copy for a lot of many, many years in, in, um, in the marketing game. And when he came along, I just used to make up stories. Like we would read books, of course, when he was going to sleep, but I would also, also make up stories in my head. And, um, Rockstar and Movie Star kind of came from that idea of having watched American Idol and The Voice and all those sorts of things and realizing that there was, a whole generation of kids who wanted, who were seeking fame for the sake of fame. And um, there were these, you know, seasoned veterans or, you know, talented, talented teachers who were presenting these songs to them and they had no idea who had originally sung these songs or had no knowledge or backstory um, of those. And it made me realise that there was an opportunity to kind of teach young kids about, you know, the many different genres of music and the different genres in movies and theatre. So that's kind of where those stories came from. Um, in terms of what spurred me to go down the self-publishing route, it was it was a very simple line from a six-year-old that said, when are you going to make your dreams come true, Mum? Like it was a bit and like – you did it. Yeah. It was a bit like oh, stop it. talking about it, just do it. Mm. So I had this opportunity to – show him that if you really believe in something and you really want something that you can make it happen. 
So it it spurred me on to, you know, sit down and actually write them because they'd been in my head for a long time. Um, I went through many iterations of editing where I had lots of different people looking at them and that's part of that process. And then, you know, I sat on them for two years because there was different people telling me different things and there was some people saying, you don't write it in rhyme, write it in prose. There were other people that were saying, you know, reconstruct it into a story as opposed to, you know, the different genres and things like that. And I'd gotten to a point where I just thought, well, I'm either going to produce it, like, and I was not getting any any feedback from, you know, traditional publishers. So you were submitting to the slush piles? I think I think I probably submitted – I probably wasn't as active as I should have been in submitting to the slush piles, to be totally honest. I, I think I kind of got to the point where at the time I was, you know, raising a six-year-old on my own and I was running a business and doing all that sort of stuff and um, the writing component was a joy thing. It wasn't, you know, something that – yeah, you know what I'm saying? It was kind of a side hustle really. A wouldn't it be nice kind of dream idea really and I just kind of in the end just went you know what I'm just gonna I'm just going to invest in myself and I'm just gonna see what I can do and how far I can take it and I and I just said okay well this is how much money I've got and I'm gonna find an illustrator and then it sort of then it kind of again serendipitously I found Anil Tortop from Tada Books and she and her husband Ozan were amazing in you know, supporting me through that process and teaching me, you know, how all of that worked and how the self-publishing component worked and talked to me about Ingram Spark and, you know, the print-on-demand process and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, it was just one of those things that I had to had to do on my own, really, and learn the hard way <laughs> uh, how much you have to do it's not an this. easy job to self-publish either. Like, it's um, so no. much more to think about. Yeah, I think what happens is that as authors, sometimes we assume that that process is relatively easy. You go, okay, well, I've written this book. Um, I could probably jump on Fiverr and get somebody really, really cheap to do illustrations. Please don't do that, guys. Please don't do that. Um, but, you know, there is that fallacy, and, and, and especially now with, you know, AI-generated text where there's all these people on TikTok telling you that you can just find an AI and, or a chat GPT that can help you write your own story and then they can, you know, emulate their own illustrations and all of a sudden you've got this book that you can sell on, you know, Amazon or eBay or whatever. I don't want to hang my head. <laughs> I, I, just, I just go, oh, my God. But, yeah, I think people think that the process is easy and it's not. It costs a lot of money to assign, you know, a really good illustrator. It's very important that you have you know, your manuscript edited or looked over by people who are actually in the industry who can give you really good feedback. And then, you know, once you've got your book in your hand, then you have to think about, okay, so how am I going to get it out into the world? And as a self-published author, that's a little bit difficult because most retailers won't touch um, by self-published authors. And there's a lot of, you know, knocking on doors and a lot of, you know, finding your way. And for me, there was a lot of, you know, reaching out from social media point of view to a lot of influencers and, um, you know, mummy bloggers and people that I thought aligned with the stories. And I was lucky that I made quite a few connections then. But I also spent a lot of money on, I think I spent close to five grand on PR when Rockstar launched. That was, okay. and that was an investment that I made hmm. uh, because I felt like I needed to do that from a self-publishing point of view. So, yeah. 
Trust me when I say I haven't made back the money on that story, but <laughs> I don't think most self-published, self-published authors will tell you that they have. So, yeah. That learning must have been valuable, though, now that you're working in the publishing industry, like all of those. Incredibly. Yeah, incredibly valuable. I think having gone through that process and realising for myself, even as a marketer, that um, I hit a wall and, and got to a point where I actually didn't know what to do moving forward. I didn't have distribution. I didn't have, you know, someone who was going to hold stock for me. I didn't have, you know, a, a set amount of retailers that I could just reach out to. And I didn't physically have the time to go and do school visits or to yeah. visit retailers, actually sell books out of the back of my boot. I didn't have the physical time to do that. So, yeah, coming on to Larrikin House and having gone through the process with Anil and Ozan, who taught me about, you know, how that, how that, I mean, I've done print work before, so a lot of that was kind of uh, second nature to me, but for publishing picture books was a completely different sort of um, story, so I had to kind of get used to the production side of that kind of thing. Mm. But yeah, it was a, it was a really good learning curve, I think. Because it is quite expensive to produce a picture book, regardless of whether it's self-published or buy a publisher so yeah look I think and that's the fallacy I think there's people think that it's it's a cheap exercise so I can tell you just from a from a self-publishing point of view I spent a lot of money on illustrations because it was really important for me to get those absolutely right so it cost me all up from a self-publishing point of view it cost me all up about 20 20 grand including sorry I'm going to choke on that number (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah it cost me about 20 grand including the five grand that I put into PR Mm. and marketing so yeah that was a bit of a a learning curve for me and from a traditional publishing point of view it's anywhere between 12 and 15 grand to have a book published by the time you get illustrations done by the time you you know print a certain amount of stock sorry my throat's gone all funny yeah so yeah, it's not a it's not a cheap exercise, no. And I think that's one thing when you're especially a, an aspiring picture book author, you're not really thinking when you're submitting. Oh, actually, I'm inviting a, a publisher to invest in me. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. asking you to put this amount of money yeah. into this idea I have. What yeah. we're doing is writing a little cute story. We think it's great. And we we just want someone to like it. Um, But really what we're doing is saying, I have this great idea that I think will sell. I'm I'm asking you to believe in me and put some money into this. Um, And then afterwards, because my book has been out just on a week, which is very exciting. It is a Um, book. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. It's very cute. But the activity (laughs) around what you have to do after the book is out, it's like, oh, okay, I need to be getting into libraries. I need to be getting into bookshops. Yeah. Um, I've been going to the local um, skating rinks and asking the skate shops if they'll put it in there, yeah. the book in there as well. And I'm like, oh, actually, I really have to be active and selling yeah. this book, which is not a natural. I'm like, I don't want anyone to take a photo of me, please. Um, but I have to do that because yeah. that that's I want a successful book. I want it to sell. Yeah. And I want publishers to see that I – I will put in the work and that my next idea, I want them to invest in that. Um, but it's been taking a bit of a change in mindset for me 
to think about it as a business rather than, oh, I've just got a cute little story. Wouldn't it be nice to see it in a book? So there is like a really, yeah, big commitment to spinning a story um, and then seeing it through to publication and after. I think the what's interesting is that what happens is you're right. We we write these little little stories. We write these stories, and we hope and have our fingers crossed that you know a traditional publisher is going to love it enough to invest in it. What we don't realise is that it's our responsibility as authors to then start developing our own personal brand. So mm. it's your story is what I call this. All of the books that I've created are my products. Yeah. So my personal brand is Marianne Stacey, the author. So from a social media point of view, um, whilst I do a lot of promoting of my own books, there's also that window of opportunity for me to kind of build my brand. And building my brand is about introducing myself to my audience, getting, allowing them a, like a snippet into my life, getting them to understand who I am as a person. And then that kind of transcends into things like author visits and school visits and all those sorts of things where you develop an audience of kids that, you know, get to know you as an author um, and then therefore are much more open and, and receptive when a new book of yours comes out. So mm. you've got, a, you know, you've already got an established audience waiting for your next thing. So it's sometimes a little bit less about the book and um, focusing on you as a personal brand and focusing on you as a person and what you're willing to do because the reality is if you don't, you know, focus on promoting your yourself and your book. Um, you know, I've said this before, in the couple in the first couple of months of the book coming out, that's your opportunity to actually generate sales. Mm. Because there's always something new coming out. There's always something else coming in behind you. So you've literally got a very small window um, of opportunity to promote your book because yes. of its new you know what I mean? So and I'm, you have to be I'm prepared. even aware um, like my my publisher has been amazing so far. I've been quite happy with what they've been uh, doing promotionally for me. But I'm also aware that now they have to start paying attention to the other authors that have got books coming yeah. out after yeah. me. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I really need to capitalise on this now yeah. um, because it's going to die down pretty quickly. <laughs> so... Well, that's, that's what happens. If you've got a publisher who's producing two or three books a month, you need to know that they've got a window of literally four weeks where they're going to be promoting your book actively and then they'll be on to the next thing. Um, I didn't actually start doing author visits until last year but that was because mm. there was COVID before that, so I didn't get much of an opportunity to do it. And it wasn't until I started doing um, author visits and school visits that I realised I'm not just an author. I have to actually be a performer. I have to be able to get up in a room full of 50 to 100 kids and engage them and keep them keep them happy and, you know, entertained and engaged for 50 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever it is. So if that means singing, if that means dancing, if that means, you know, I don't know, with Jimmy Bottoms farting, I don't know. I, like, I, don't know. I, don't, I haven't worked out what I'm doing for Jimmy Bottoms yet, but um, Rockstar and Movie Star were relatively easy. But you do, you have to push yourself outside of your comfort zone and you have to become someone else. You have to be a performer. You have to, yeah. Now tell me a bit more about Jimmy Bottoms. So that's um, out. It yeah. is. It was It was uh, released in January. You can find him um, at all good Kmart and Big W stores. You're in Kmart and Big W. That's oh, amazing. Kmart and Big W. It's actually very – oh, actually, no, sorry, Target. Sorry, sorry, Target and Big W. Target and Big W. 
sorry. Um, yeah, it's kind of the story of, well, it's a fart story. Let's just put it plain. <laughs> it's a fart story. It's the fart story that I never intended to write, but it just kind of happened. It was one of those things where I had a group of six-year-olds sitting around or having a sleepover at my house, and all of a sudden the farting game started and there was giggles and there was silliness and there was all sorts of things that were going on. And, you know, as a parent, you kind of go, come on, guys, that's that's disgusting. And then you start to realise that the louder the fart, the funnier it got and the more giggling there was and the more hysterical they got. And then you just kind of have to step outside of yourself and just let them enjoy it. So, but what it made me realize was, so if you, if one of those, like, it was a really strange kind of concept. My brain works really weird sometimes. So I started to think if a brain, if a fart escaped and it started to wreak havoc, how would you catch it? Like if it, if it kind of wandered off into the street and it wandered down the street <laughs> and it did all of those things, how would you catch a fart? I have never thought about so, it. I'm like, yeah, how would you? How would you? How would you, right? So it kind of led me down this this path of, you know, Jimmy wakes up in the morning and he accidentally drops a fart, as you do in the morning, and doesn't think anything of it. And it just kind of wanders down the road and it and it, it ends up at the at the um, farm and it cracks the chickens' eggs and it curdles all the milk and then it oh, wow. goes down the street and it, it's a you powerful know, fart. It is a very powerful fight and it turns all the houses brown and it wilts the flowers and it does all of these amazing things and then Jimmy realises that it's his and he has to go on the hunt for it to recapture it because it's causing all of this damage. And, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil it for you, but you know, he becomes very creative in his adventures to try and recapture it. So yeah, that's kind of where Jimmy came from. And are your following books with five mile um, are they sequels or are they in a different? Are they different characters? Are oh, they completely different characters? Julius is um, a python in the Amazon jungle who has a lot of beautiful uh, jungle animal friends, like a morpho butterfly and a howler monkey, and uh, yeah, lots of amazing animals, animal friends, a leopard. Um, and then the art of making friends is essentially one character who goes through these different scenarios and, and tries making friends using different creative materials. So, you know, putting things together with wood or, you know, creating friends out of snow or planting them in the garden or, you know, those sorts of things. So they're very completely different stories, all three. Sounds like a lot to look forward to, though. That's amazing. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, yeah. So I've got a few questions that I ask all my guests just so that our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Uh-oh. Uh, did you have a favourite book growing up? Um, I guess that depends how old. When I was really young, I was really into Annie Blyton and The Naughtiest Girl in School. Amelia Jane was my favourite. She was oh. like I was always reading because she was – she did all of the things that I was never allowed to do. She was the naughty one that, yeah. Oh, so you weren't naughty too. I was cheeky, but I wasn't naughty. I would never, like, I would never get up to the sorts of things that Amelia Jane in those yeah. you know, girl in school stories would get up to. So, yeah, I was cheeky, but I was not naughty. Yeah. So, yeah. And if you could be any book character, who would it be? Oh. That's really tricky because I'm um, I'm a big Halloween girl. So um, I one year I actually did Red Riding Hood and the Wolf, um, like a split Red Riding Hood and Wolf. So 
it would probably be Red Riding Hood. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like a very interesting costume. That would have taken a bit of work to put together. It was amazing. I'll send you some photos later. I'll, I'll, yes, yeah, I'll send you what they look like. Yeah. <laughs> um, and are you reading anything right now? Yes, I'm actually reading A Girl Called Corpse. Um, are you enjoying that? I love it. Yeah, I love it. It's fantastic. It captured me from the very first chapter. So I'm, I'm, I'm I only just started it like a day and a half ago. So uh, yeah, this weekend I started reading it. So it's fantastic. I love it. It's very clever. Hearing good things. I have to add that to my to be read pile. It's yeah. growing by the day. Yeah. Um, now, if you could invite five literary people to dinner, who would they be? If you got some writing buddies, you'd have over for tea. That's tricky. Um, Edgar Allan Poe. Um, probably the Bronte sisters. Um, I don't know. Virginia Andrews, maybe? Sounds um, like a dark dinner party. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I am a bit. I am a bit dark. J.K. Rowling, I'm kind of into that sort of really dark yeah. street ghosts, goblins, those sorts of things. It's yeah, I'm yeah. There is a dark side to me, believe it or not. <laughs> Doesn't look like it, but yeah, there is. She's dark on the inside. Yeah, she's dark. Oh, yeah, yeah. I say that dark black like my heart. No. Yes. <laughs> um, now, what advice would you give yourself if you could go back to the beginning of your writing journey? Do it earlier. Don't, oh, wait to, yeah. don't wait till you're 40. Don't wait till, you know, if, yeah, just do it. Just don't wait until it's it feels like it's too late in the game. Um, just try. But I would also say um, absolutely, absolutely hone your craft. I think one of the one – one of the interesting things, and, you know, I, I do KidLit and CYA um, every year, have done assessments for both of those every year. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting how many manuscripts kind of land in those assessments that are clear, that clearly haven't been edited or haven't been looked at by a third party. So I would say do whatever you can, read as much as you can, do as many courses as you possibly can, learn, 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 read, 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 buy, buy, buy. Um, yeah, get really good at what you do before you start looking at potentially submitting your work to publishers because, as you said earlier, you're actually asking them to invest in you. So what you want to be presenting to them is the best possible work that you that you you can create. You don't want to be just sending them an initial brain dump and hoping that they're going to edit it themselves and get it working, you know, to an to a publishable standard. Yeah. You need to be presenting them with a manuscript that's as finished as possible. And there's a bit of a myth that writing picture books is easy and it is hard work. It is really, really hard work. And and that's why I say to you that this whole new, you know, idea of chat GPTs and AIs writing stories for you is like, oh, my God, because everybody thinks that they can be a writer. But um, I think I... Uh, I naturally write in rhyme, so it's one of those things. I've got a musical ear, so I kind of think in rhyme and I think in rhythm. Um, but if you asked me to write something in prose, I would be completely stuck. I Like, I, I struggle with writing children's stories in, in prose. Mm. And they're not easy. I think rhyme is one of those things that, you know, 
it's really important to get rhyme right, especially when you're, you know, you're aiming for a readership of three to six years old because, you know, it's one of those things they have to learn about, like there, there needs to be a rhythm that's created, which is where your meter comes in, and they kind of learn to anticipate the word that, that is being rhymed. So when they're, when they're reading it, there's a bit of an anticipation in terms of the literacy that, you know, if this is the word that they think is coming next, there's a bit of joy when they kind of get it right. So um, I think it's really important to kind of really think about whether you're a rhyme writer or whether you're a prose writer. So, yeah, it's not easy. And that show, Don't Tell, is challenging. And just leaving room for the illustrator, I'm not very good at that. I want to I give instruction on what I want there, but that's not the way it works. You've really got to let your illustrator use their imagination, you know. Yeah, there is a bit of that. I think um, there's, there, it's very important to allow for, you know, visual literacy as well as, you know, the written word. Um, but in terms of from a production process, when, when we engage an illustrator, we always ask our authors whether they've got illustrated notes that they want to add before I provide the illustrator with a brief. So I give my illustrators, an, sorry, my authors an opportunity to, to tell me what they want, if there's anything specific that they want to convey or if there's something that's really important to them in the narrative that they that they really want the illustrator to explore, they get an opportunity to do that. There's not very many publishers that will let you do that. Mm. So, um, yeah, but I think, yeah, I think it's very important to allow an illustrator to take your manuscript and for you to trust that they're actually going to do the right thing by it and that they're going to, you know, represent the narrative as best as possible. It's about getting the right illustrator for the right story, I think. And is there anywhere that you're going to be coming up for people to either, are you, you going to be doing any book signings around the place for Jimmy Bottoms oh. coming up soon? Um, at the moment, no. I've got something for, I've got something with um, uh, St Paul's Primary School in Coburg for the Australian Reading Hour on March the 9th, but I don't really have any book signings or anything like, like that lined up at the moment. We're in the process of having some conversations with Five Mile um, to determine what happens next. So, yeah, we'll have to just playing it by ear, Kai. And what about, um, will you be at any conferences doing any assessments this year if people wanted to connect with you? Yeah, we're doing uh, Kid Lit this year is live. Yep. Uh, which I think is at the end of April. So, yeah, there'll be one-on-ones that I'm doing for KidLit. Yep. CYA, again, this year is online, and I think uh, tickets are already available for yes. those. So if you wanted an assessment from me, you can quite easily jump on CYA today and, you know, book some sessions with me. Um, but, yeah, KidLit and CYA at the Fantastic. moment. Fantastic. Okay. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with me today and giving me a bit of insight into being a publisher and an author. It's it's great to get both perspectives there. Thank you for having me. It was actually very nice to finally meet you. Writing stories for children can seem like a very simple task, but there is a skill involved in bringing memorable characters and their worlds to life. Anyone can write a picture book, but not everyone can write a picture book that becomes a child's favourite bedtime story. The best children's picture books fire up their imaginations, evoke emotion, and stay within their memories forever. 
Authors Online was created to provide aspiring authors the knowledge, skills, and resources they need to become a published children's book author. Our extensive industry knowledge will be shared with you and provide you with the basic principles behind writing for children, picture book publishing guidelines, and updates on the current market and publishing environment. And as a special offer for Totally Lit listeners, if you go to authorsonline.com.au, you can apply the discount code of LIT20, that's lit two zero to access discount content at authorsonline.com.au. Totally Lit is an independent podcast. You can help support us to continue to chat with wonderful Australian creatives by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing our socials with your friends. You can also make a contribution at www.buymeacoffee.com backslash totallylit. This will also help with equipment and podcasting platform fees. I love to interact with our listeners, so feel free to say hello either by email or social media. My email is totallylitpodcast at gmail.com or you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter. And I am playing around with TikTok at the moment, so I apologise in advance if you've seen one of my videos. Uh, I've also recently created a group on Facebook called Totally Lit Writing Community. It's a space to continue the conversation and share your writing successes, events, launches and latest projects. Jump onto the group and say hello. Thank you for listening to Totally Lit and don't forget to go out into the world to read, write, create, ignite.